No, but how come? Where, where does Messi play? Messi plays in like Arsenal. Arsenal, <laughs> my guy. <laughs> okay, great. PSG, 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 PSG. Um, Paris Saint George. Yes, yes. <laughs> All right. Anyways, this was a very weird start to the podcast, but hello, hello welcome hello. back again. Today I've got Dips. Dips is a hello. I am finally a biomedicine student, about to graduate. About to graduate, and you're gonna go into your honors year next year. Indeed. Indeed, and then into medical school, and that will be how long? Medical school will be four years, so honors next year, four years more. So right, total. right, and then after we, you can like pretty much uh, get an office. No, you can't. You you can't. Like, uh, do you have to like get street street cred? Like, do you? Street <laughs> street cred. <laughs> no, but how, how does it work? How does it work? Four years of medical school. After that, you have your. All right, we'll do it after the intro. So <laughs> hit the intro. Welcome to Pick on the Olives. But yes, you were you were mentioning about how the process is once you finish medical school. What happens after that? Once you finish med- medical school, you have a year or two of internship. Mm-hmm. So you could do through surgery or medicine, and depending on which one you take, you have the rotations. Mm-hmm. So you work through different, I guess, fields in in you whether medicine or surgery. And is this, is it something that you decide early on or is that something that you sort of learn through the process? I think you learn through the process. A lot of people, they go in with an idea of what they want to do when they start medicine, mm-hmm. but often end up changing is because medical school, you have your placements and you have what you're going through a lot of rotations. You see a lot of doctors, you're working with a lot of specialties and through exposure, like you can think of a specialty and you may have an idea of it, but you only have an idea of it maybe from when you visited that specific doctor as a patient. Maybe if you had a mentor, you might have a better idea, mm-hmm. but you're not going to get the feel of it unless you're actually there. That's how people usually end up deciding the specialty. Is, is it something that you've seen as like a like a trend in like seniors maybe, or even your fellow um, students that they just like sort of change as soon as they like change their pathway or like someone who's doing nutrition then realizes that it's useless and then like <laughs> <laughs> switches to something else. It's, it's pretty interesting actually. I've had a few friends who um, did engineering and mm-hmm. like went to medicine. I had a friend who did, um, I think, Masters of Engineering, Biomedical Engineering, and realized he didn't enjoy that uh, just on his own. He okay. wanted the clinical aspect, so he ended up doing medicine after. I know the friend who did commerce, actually. And wow. came back into biomed, or not, uh, transferred into biomed. And okay. Did, I, I think he's doing medicine next year. Wait, so he went through uh, the friend who did commerce. So he did three years of commerce. Oh, no, first year. Oh, okay, okay, okay. That makes sense, because uh, that would have yeah. been taking a long time. Yeah. Okay, interesting. I want to ask you this. Why did you get into medicine? Well, not in medicine, yes. I mean, so. yeah. Wh- why uh, do you want to go there? Why are you studying neuroscience? So why that? Why neuroscience? It's interesting. I, uh, ever since I was, I guess, in year 10 or something, very, very young, I was very curious about the brain. Mm-hmm. So just because, I don't know, it's, I saw a documentary at one point, then I saw Doctor Strange. It's like, you know what? Brain seems pretty cool. <laughs> and uh, I guess through exposure in, in the first few years of uni, uh, it seemed pretty cool. It seemed quite intriguing. There was, there's a lot of different things that can happen. I mean, whether you take the philosophy stand or computational neuroscience, there's a lot of different fields that you touch on just okay. with, ex- with like raw neuroscience. So that seemed quite intriguing and seemed like something that would be applicable to many different things. Was there ever a point where it sort of intimidated you that there was like so much of choice, like in terms of like once you go into neuroscience that it's such a broad field? Did you ever get confused about it at any point? And if so, how did you sort of navigate through that? Not so much in first semester, because first semester, at least for University of Melbourne, uh, you have very specific subjects that you have to do for okay. neuroscience. Yeah. Um, 
moving on from there, then you have a lot more choice. You can do a whole range of different fields within neuroscience. The way I chose mine was something that seemed quite challenging that I wouldn't do otherwise, which was computational neuroscience. So mm-hmm. I did a couple of subjects in that, so machine learning, neural networks kind of thing. And then the other subjects were more focused on pharmacology, so the, the, how drugs affect the brain and whatnot. And that seemed... That seemed pretty useful, actually, especially when you go into medicine, you need to know how drugs work. So it's like, you know what, that seems, I guess, useful for the future. You said drugs, right? You yeah. said understanding drugs. Yeah. Now, there's the theoretical aspect of it, but like, how is the practical stuff? Like, do you, do you take it? Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you uh, do. Uh, A little bit of that coke. Just uh, snort it in. Beautiful. Actually. For computational, I think that was probably the most challenging subject I did. Not yeah. because it was hard per se, but mm-hmm. I went into it knowing minimal coding. Yeah. So well, that, for context, all I knew was print world, <laughs> or print hello world. <laughs> right, yeah. And I went from there to actually uh, coding an entire network in a semester. So it was a very steep learning curve. Mm-hmm. Getting through it uh, was honestly just a lot of help from friends. I had friends who did um, computer science major, so I was like, you know what? I right. constantly kept nagging them. Now, that's something that I've, no- like, knowing you for many months now. <laughs> <laughs> just I'm just trying to figure out how, when I started talking to you. Something that I've gathered from you is your ability to form connection with people very quickly. And also this concept of being continuously curious about other people and seeing if you can learn something about them. So I kind of want to go ahead, like head into that and get your mindset when like heading into any of these sort of situations. How do you form these connections and in, in such a manner that you're able to get a lot of it, you know, a lot out of it, and also contribute towards others. Honestly, there's not a specific framework that I approach this with, right? It's mm-hmm. more. I naturally like meeting people. I like um, very sociable mm-hmm. by nature. Okay. So it's something that just happens instinctively. It's not something that I specifically go out. Though saying that, I was very. I think the switch from introverted to this happened um, as I moved from um, high school to first year, right? Yeah. I think I was one of two kids from my high school who went to the University of Melbourne. So I was like, you know what? If I want to have friends, I need to be social. Yeah. And I guess my Jeffy energy just never went away. It just holds still. It just, it just still holds that Jeffy yeah. energy. And it's pretty fun, right? Like when you meet new people. Like, especially mm-hmm. when you're at a place like this, University yeah. of Melbourne. Yeah. Uh, I mean, as a student, as, as we are students, we can always talk crap about it. But uh, speaking of it, it is a very unique opportunity. There are a lot of ambitious people here, a lot of people who are driven. Um, and even though they may seem different, just by the fa- virtue of the fact that you're here, mm-hmm. you have a lot of similarities, right? Yeah, you do. Like, you studied your ass in high school or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> you're a nerd to an extent. Yeah. So it's, yeah. like, a lot of these similarities that may not seem pretty evident, just because mm-hmm. you're here, mm-hmm. is there. Yeah. And that makes it really easy to talk to people. Yeah. Like, you're all students. You're all going through the same experience. Yeah. You're going across the same buildings, running across campus, yeah. same paths, everything. Yeah. So it's, I guess, in that sense, it's easy to relate to people. Like, is it something that a person should carry this curiosity whenever approaching any other person or situation? Yeah, I would say so. Um, I mean, especially professionally, right? When you're trying to build your networks, when you're trying to get the LinkedIn 500 or whatnot, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's really helpful when, you can, uh, when you're not afraid to, to approach people. Mm-hmm. So if you see someone interesting, if you see someone's doing something that you want to do or you want to be mentored or are to make a friend, right? Mm-hmm. Often, especially at university, especially where we are right now, a lot yeah. of people do want to make friends. Yeah. Like it's part of the university experience, yeah. right? So, but often what I find is the problem is people are afraid to break the ice. Like you don't want to mm. be like the guy who's just randomly saying hi, right? Yeah. More often than not, it works. Yeah. Everyone it wants does. to make friends. Right, yeah. Usually. <laughs> there's, there's some certain situations you want to sort of understand their body language if they want to be approached or not, right? I mean, but if they're on the edge of the ice, why would you break it? Like they just drift away, right? 
No, 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 I'm kidding, I'm kidding. No, but it makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. They might be sweating with their <laughs> knees weak. Yeah, arms are heavy. Like they, have, they might have some. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they might have some vomit on his sweater, on their sweater. Yeah, I wouldn't approach that person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Honestly, how has club involvement um, helped you in in your uni experience in your uni life? It's a space where, or well, depends on what club you're in, but mm-hmm. it's a space where you can build something interesting, right? Right. So if you want to experiment, where uh, you need people, but you don't know people. Mm-hmm. Clubs are a really good way to one for one network, get to know a lot of people. Again, going back to the whole social thing. Yeah. But beyond that, depends on what club you're in. But you can you often have opportunities to build something interesting. Right. So like, no one's going to hire you straight off as a first year, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Unless you're I don't know, some sort of a genius. <laughs> but um, so you need some sort of evidence that you can do something useful, and clubs are usually a good gateway to that to demonstrate that you have the capacity. For instance, a lot, a lot of clubs, you can take up leadership mm-hmm. and yeah. I guess fine-tune that before you go into the professional world. So right. when you're in the professional world, you already have some idea of what to do. And I guess it's just for one of those soft skills, yeah. but there are also a lot of clubs where you can build like solid hard skills. Like a lot of clubs have hackathons and whatnot. Yes, yeah, so can, they do. Uh, computing. Like CESA. Yeah, CESA does, does a lot of yeah. I think another one, seamless plug, MBSI that I'm part of, also mm-hmm. does, mm-hmm. it's called the Biodesign Competition. So it's, um, we bring together bioengineers, right. medical students, biomedicine mm-hmm. students, and sometimes commerce students. Okay, commerce and students. Yeah, because uh, the idea is you want to build a medical technology okay. that can be turned into a startup. Ah, okay. So you're getting the technical expertise. You're right. getting like all the problems from the medical students and the clinicians. Mm-hmm. And we also have mentors, right. uh, like actual doctors, and have been practicing for years. Yeah. So they have encountered a lot of problems. They can help you through, mm-hmm. uh, help you identify what's going wrong. Right. And then they can nurture the idea alongside you. And how is it uh, like how what what's the approach in terms of like getting these mentors like do you just like cold call them or do you sort of try to find connections? Uh, I think a lot of them are from connections. If from I'm completely honest. Okay. So for context, mm-hmm. my team, which is the executive team, yeah, they're all medical students except me. I'm the odd one out, but yeah, uh, and a, a few of them already graduated, right? Mm-hmm. Or just graduated this year. Okay. And because they've been in the I guess field for a long amount of time. They already knew a lot of people, so that's how we right. got contacts in. And okay. beyond that, it's um, attending a lot of, I guess, conferences and seminars. So you meet a lot of interesting doctors, and you can gauge whether they're interested in something like this. And if they are, then you, you know, more often than not, because it's startups and something interesting, mm-hmm. uh, people are usually pretty keen. I think something that you've you mentioned when we were talking outside, an interesting involvement for you has been your involvement with, uh, I might be wrong again, but with biomedical like technologies. Um, such as anti-aging, no, I'm kidding, uh, such as like uh, you mentioned brain-computer interface. Could you give us like a, give us a very layman sort of uh, understanding of what that is? It doesn't have to be super layman. Um, yeah. Brain-computer interface, so you're, you're using your brain as an interface, right? So when okay. you're, I guess, typing, yeah. the keyboard is the interface. So you're using the keyboard, Yeah. that's the link between the computer and you, right? Okay. But what if you could just take the keyboard out, for example? What if you could just use the computer by thought? I mean, so it would be an iPad. Because <laughs> oh <my>. you're talking. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. No. Okay, but yeah, but yeah, go on. It's kind of like that. So, mm-hmm. technologies like this already exist, but they usually exist for, uh, I guess, I mean, Stephen Hawking, right? He didn't actually type anything. He just thought Used of it. his cheek yeah. muscles. Yeah, cheek muscles. So yeah. It's kind of, it's cheek muscles, but you can also, similar principle, mm-hmm. instead of cheek muscles, cheek muscles, they take the impulse, right? Electrical right. impulse from the muscles. 
Instead of uh, that, you could just use the uh, brain waves. Yeah. So every time a neuron fires, okay. or when a cluster of neuron fires, you can pick up the signal through a whole lot of electrodes on your brain. Right. So if you could find a way to read that signal effectively, yeah, you can translate that. It's like a signal from your keyboard, right? When you press A, that's a sort of signal that goes to the computer. Okay. But if you could find a way to uh, capture that through right. a headset, right? It's the same thing. It's just a different way of inputting. So that's that's like a, that's I guess the premise of uh, brain computer interface. Mm -hmm. Again, MBSI. It's <laughs> plugging that in. Uh, okay. One of our projects is focusing on brain computer interface in the context of wheelchairs. So you could think of I guess moving, and the wheelchair would move by itself. So if ah. you have severe I guess paralysis, you can't yeah. move your hands. Yeah. How would you control the wheelchair, right? So yeah. that's when something like that could be useful. Wait, does severe paralysis also have, like, you can't move your hands as well? Oh, it like depends. Your fingers? Uh, it depends where, or what sort of injury it is. It's, mm. it's yeah, let's it's say, like, a thousand different ways you like can Like a 60-meter fall, and then you somehow survive. It's not really the height. It's where you're injured. If it's where, like, where on the spinal cord you're injured, or what sort of nerve damage the you have. The coccyx. The Cossacks, wait, Cossacks, is it Cossacks or the yes, Cossacks? Yes, that's further down, you're fine. So you're not, your hands are going to be fine if anything happens ah, to you. So what part would like, the lumbar, the fuck, I don't lumbar even remember. Lumbar is high enough. Um, well, it, honestly. What about was like there? right up top, like as soon as like the, the spinal cord starts, you just break it right there. That's you done literally your neck. You'll be dead. <laughs> 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 but again, um, okay. Probably ask a doctor for this one. You also mentioned um, incubators, and I think you've also experienced that both as someone in a team, but also as someone who's led teams, and then also someone who's decided on which projects that should probably go into incubators um, through, I guess, it was Enactus? Well, Enactus. Was well, it the same? Enactus, MBSI. Uh, it's pretty interesting. That's I think that kind of, or incubators in general. Mm -hmm. My interest in them stems from my interest in, well, startups generally, but more specifically venture capital. Okay. So. What can you describe? What is a venture capital? Yeah, venture capital. So when you see big startups, right? Facebook, Google, whatever. Yes. Or Tesla, Neuralink, anything that you see. Mm -hmm. Those companies are very complex. Like they do, for, for example, Facebook, they need a lot of users, right? Yes. If you just build an app today and put it in the app store, no one's gonna download it. That's no. why you need a lot of money upfront before you can be profitable. And startup is essentially anything, any business that can be scaled really big, right? Like Teslas, they have what, like hundreds of thousands of cars on the road right now. Yeah. I saw many on the way here. Same with Apple, right? You're, like I'm using Apple computer right now. I'm sure if you go out in the library, there'd be hundreds. They would, yeah. Yeah, so it's something like that can be scaled really big, but obviously you can't build that just like for us. For example, we start a company, right? As yeah. founders, we can't build that by ourselves. So no. We need to hire a lot of people, but we don't have the money for that. Right. That's when venture capital comes in. So they, part, they take part of the equity, where do you want to go with this? Like eventually, where do you want to, where do you see yourself ending up? Uh, like with medicine and then also your interest in venture capital and all these interesting projects that you've been involved with. Later down the line, I'd see them all merging at once. Mm -hmm. So um, have you heard of, I guess, uh, completely integrated systems, like how China and social, social networks are completely integrated, right? Okay. So you have your, you're scrolling down, but it's also a shop. Like you could click something and you buy it just from the app. Oh, from the same app? Yeah. Okay. It's like, it's everything is integrated. You okay. have your social media, messaging, your shops, everything. But what if you could do the same thing with medicine? So you have your GPs, your physios, mm -hmm. your specialists, yeah. uh, medical technology, incubators, all of them put together in, like, in a, I guess, a unified system that okay. works very efficiently. Right. That's kind of what I want to build in the future. And that's something that would take decades to get there. Yeah. To have something, something completely unified. I think that's something that I also 
one important aspect when it comes to building something that will take decades, something yeah. you know that nuanced, new, and also innovative. The big, like one of the big things that it takes is resilience and then also patience, right?、Mm. And I did ask you this question before. I asked <laughs> you, hey, are you are you a patient person? And then you said something very interesting. You said when it comes to like short term things, something things that you want to get done right now, you're、yeah. quite impatient, and so you just sit down and get it done. For example, let's say lectures. I remember when we were studying together, you you just like smash through them. There's no like pausing and then like sort of like stretching out. You just <laughs> finish it immediately.、Yeah. So that's very interesting, but then you said that、um, you are patient in the long term when it comes to like long term gratification.、Yeah. So I want to I want to sort of know what sort of mindset you have when it comes to being patient. Why are you patient with long term gratification? You have to realize, right? If you want to build something monumental, if you want to have a great legacy, it's not going to happen today. It's not going to happen tomorrow. It's probably not going to happen ten years from now. If you want、okay. to build something that's lasting, yes, it will take decades, and I think a lot of times when people try to build something too quickly, I mean, obviously you want to grow as fast as possible, right?、Mm-hmm. That's why you have to. That's why I said you have to be impatient in the short term. Yes. You can't bait around for opportunities to come your way. You have to chase them and go after it. You have to be aggressive in that sense. If you're aggressive with the rewards, if you're aggressive, you want to glory too early. Yeah. One that can get to your head, and two, like even if it, even if you like get what you want, um, it's I don't I don't know I, I find it better to focus on the I guess process rather than focusing on the outcome. If you're focusing on the process, if you're trying to build something bigger and bigger and bigger, constantly snowballing it,、mm-hmm. and have a vision in mind for decades, like the、like、integrated healthcare thing, right? Yeah.、Um, it's not something like it's no. I can't imagine someone、uh, doing everything, all of that at once. You have to, these are different pieces. It's like a chessboard. You can't、yeah. move all the pieces at once. You have to do it piece by piece over time. Yeah, I, d- I can't imagine anyone doing everything at once. So you have to understand that. Wow, that actually got me thinking. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> okay. Okay, let me let me ask you this. Like, since you said you have to be aggressive when it comes to like, and also being within that limit of not letting glory get to your head, how do how do you maintain humbleness, or how do you not let? I I mean, you're I as much as I know you, you're not a guy who's like a show off. You're not you're not so you you seem like a very humble. You are a humble guy, <laughs> in my opinion. But has there ever been a time where you've you know you let it get to your head, and if not? What do you do to keep yourself from doing that? I think it's about having an accurate understanding of who you are or where you are at.、Mm-hmm. Again, like going back to the decades team, right?、Yeah. I know where I'm going. I know where I need to be、mm-hmm. because it's so far away. Yeah,、uh, you can't help but be humble. Because <laughs> you're comparing、That's、yourself、it. to your to your future version of you, right? Okay. And well, you have to believe that the future version is a lot better than you are. Yeah. If you want to progress, right? Yeah. So when you're comparing that with who you are right now, it's like okay, I can be cocky, but do I, do I get anything out of it? Right. And when you acknowledge that you don't, what's the point? Again, if you're doing that, you're comparing yourself to others, not your not your future self. It's like Matthew McConaughey said, right? Like your your hero is always your ten years from now. Ten years from now, yeah. yeah. So it's,、uh, I guess go from there. If you compare yourself with others, it's unless it's helping you grow, unless you're someone who thrives in competition,、mm-hmm. it's probably not going to be. Uh, you mentioned something about music and NTFs,、uh, <laughs> non tangible <laughs> funds. <laughs> no, no, non tangible funds. Yes. Yeah. <laughs>、uh, music NFTs is something I want to get into right now. Why? It's oh,、uh, fun- it's interesting how it started. I was doing a subject.、Mm-hmm. I just wanted to get the good amount out of it, right? Yeah. For them, people who don't know, this is like a grade. Okay.、Um, I wanted to get a good grade out of it. Like, you know what? What's the easy subject that I can do with、yeah. minimal work and just、okay. smash it out? Yeah. It was fine. My it's my final semester, right? I just want to coast through it. I just want to get <laughs> uni done. Yeah.、Um, So I was doing this subject called business of music,、mm-hmm. 
I did not watch a single lecture, <laughs> but, 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 but I wrote the essay and they gave us freedom of choice to pick the essay topic. Okay. I was like, you know what? What's something interesting that wouldn't bore me to death? So <laughs> Web3 came up, Web3, blockchain and music, yeah. right? Yeah. And I guess in my like, deep dive, I went into NFTs and what's happening in the space. And it turns out a lot of artists are using, NF- emerging artists are using NFTs to raise funds. Music, like for for example, right now, if you want to if you want to release a track, we have mics right now, right? We can yeah, say that. Yeah. No. Let's say we build a track, mm-hmm. we build a song, yeah, or album, and you want to put it out. Okay. There are a lot of hurdles that we have to go through. Yeah. Like if it, let's like let's say we are not just putting it out for fun. We want to commercialize it. Right. We want to make money of it, right? Yeah. We have to approach a record label. Yeah. Because we are new, we haven't published anything. Mm-hmm. They will give us like a really crappy deal. Yeah. Take all yeah, of our money. Like, and yeah. Yeah, we wouldn't get much out of it, right? Mm-hmm. Like we would get money if it, if it's good. Yeah. But for one, record labels will be hesitant to take you on. Yeah. And even if they do take you on, it'll be a shit deal. Shit deal, right? Yeah. But what if you don't have a shit deal? What if you could raise? Because you need money to build a track. Yeah. You can't just you need to market it. It's not just gonna you can't just put it on Spotify and expect it to blow up. So you, that's like a lot of marketing and things go, goes on behind the scenes, and that's why you okay. need funding. That's why record labels come in, mm-hmm. and it's copyright things, and it's, it's a lot more complicated. But right. That's the essence of it. What if you could raise funds without needing the record label? And that's where you could do NFT drops. So mm-hmm. you, could, you could put a, like let's say you're an emer- we are an emerging artist, we build a, like a, a clip, a 30 second okay. uh, segment of a song. Yeah. We put it on TikTok yeah. and gauge interest. Mm-hmm. If it's really interesting, we build a fan following, or whatever, yeah. then we can do an NFT drop. And uh, our fans could buy the NFTs. Mm-hmm. The idea is they would have, I guess a memento, the early supporter, like, I guess, ah, I don't, like yeah, you want to show off whatever. Like merch? It's not really much. It's oh. like NFT, right? So you right. want to show off that you're at least. It's more like a like a signed Kinda. autograph Kinda. sort of thing, which because it has value. Yeah, yeah. But but it could be a lot more interesting. Mm-hmm. So the way I'm thinking of doing it is you would drop the NFTs, mm-hmm. but NFTs would entitle you to part of the royalty. So as long as okay. you hold the NFT, you, yeah. you could get part of a royalty, and that essentially helps us as artists to to raise initial funds to promote and what whatnot. And then after that, beyond that. It gives artists something that they can use, something they can, like, for one, have a some sort of investment value and also, like, sentimental value, right? Like, they supported early artists and yeah. one day when we blow up, we have millions of views. Yeah. We have millions of subscribers yeah. or whatnot. Yeah. And they can say, hey, we were, this is evidence that we have early supporters. And the, hopefully, the NFT will be worth a lot more for the fan in the future as well. And you could do it in many ways. You could do it with concert tickets. Mm-hmm. So every concert ticket will be a unique NFT. Yeah, and you can resell that. And the concept of NFTs might not be, like, what's your understanding of what an NFT is? So I would purchase, let's say, Joji or someone's NFT. I don't yeah. know, for example. Steve Oki is doing it. Steve Oki. Okay, yeah, we'll, we'll get one of his NFTs. Yeah. So he earns most of it. And then the thing that I would get is essentially like free tickets and then uh, essentially these privileges okay. or... It really depends on how you structure the NFTs. Like every NFT would have a different perk, right? Some okay. could have nothing with it. It's just art. Yeah. And you hold it. But it really depends on how you structure it. Uh, for example, at Steve Oki, I think he's doing free concert tickets, early release and merch. So you get free merch, you get like, I guess, free concert tickets wherever he goes and whatnot. Is that really a good idea, would you say? Because so if it's free tickets, free merch, and w- what else? Do you, early releases. Yeah. What do you mean? So you can still buy it. You have to buy it still, but you get it early? Is that what it is? Early, early. I said like early access to songs. So before they're out. Okay, okay, sometimes. okay. Or exclusive songs that are just for the NFT orders. For the NFT. For like, a, a, eventually obviously it's going to go that's, up, That like sounds very intimate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but... So concert tickets would cost around, let's say, like for someone like Steve Aoki, that would be like a hundred dollars, maybe. Okay, let's put two hundred. Okay, yeah. let's be generous. Not generous. I mean, <laughs> two hundred for the tickets and for merch. Let's say, 
So you get a t-shirt that's going to cost you like 80 bucks. So let's round it up to 300. How much would he put on the uh, NFTs? Uh, I'm actually not sure. I'll just set up how much exactly he sold it for. Right. But like, for example, what, what would you sell it for if, if it was you? I think you have to look at the artist. Steve Oki obviously is a, a big name. You can get away with charging a ridiculous amount and it'd be fine. Like the way I'm trying to do it is with emerging artists. Like I think the initial value, the way I want to structure it, the initial value would, I mean, obviously would play it, obviously would come into mind, but it's secondary, the way I'm trying to do it. Right. So the idea, uh, the idea concept right now is every mm-hmm. resale, the original artist, us, will get a percentage. So every time it resells, we get a percentage of the profit in perpetuity. And that's where you make the real money. Let's okay, say so you're the artist. Yeah. I bought you NFT. Yeah. But then if I resell it to someone else, not you, someone yeah. else, I get the profit, obviously. But you get the pro- uh, percentage of the profit. So Andrew Tate. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's, that's really cool. Like So for example, someone like, uh, do you know the, uh, the guy who sang, what was it, Golden Arrow? Golden Hour? Golden Hour. I'm not sure. I'm not going to sing it, but it's like, <laughs> I don't know what, what, his name is Jake, but he writes J-V-K-E. J- wait. So, yeah. Let me search this up. Yeah. <laughs> J-E. J-V-K-E. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't heard Golden Hour. Oh, uh, okay. Yet. Well, a lot of his songs, in fact, like most of the, his songs, like just completely blew up on like, First on TikTok and then, you know, on Instagram. I, I'm sure like you've seen it on, I, I don't know if you're some, I wait, okay. Are you someone who's like, l- someone who limits their social media use usually? Or uh, or is it something that usually, you don't? Usually, yes. Usually, yes. Um, okay. I think just because I finish exams and I know holiday mode. Yeah. I kind of let myself go with that. Okay. So too fast right now. Mm-hmm. I'm, I am restricting it, restricting it now just because I have a very busy period coming up. Right. But. I guess I just had a great spirit, but I was like, you know what? Unlimited TikTok, whatever. <laughs> I didn't end up going on TikTok that much anyway. Yeah. It was pretty interesting. Okay, okay. Well, no, the thing is, because um, the way that he set it up was he essentially had his mom react to videos and then be like, oh, yeah, let me just make a music out of it. And the one who was making it was he was the make one making music and he was just making his mom look like she was making it. Hmm. And so that blew up for him. So then he started doing covers and then eventually he started making his own songs, which then blew up. Hmm. So now for someone like him, who would be an emerging artist, for example, yep. he's not part of a label, um, but he's, he is making a little, I'm, I'm, sh- I'm sure he's making quite a lot of money because hmm. um, he's got a lot of Spotify listens. Uh, even though the Spotify deal, according to artists, is pretty shit. Spotify barely pays you anything. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, 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 what, what is it like? Do you know about this? I do, I do. Uh, I forgot what the exact figure was, but I remember. I was pretty surprised, actually. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll just barely get, barely get anything out of it. And I thought you were going to give me a number there, but... <laughs> I, no, I, I generally can't remember the number. Okay, okay. No worries. No, but, like, someone like him could capitalize on this idea, like, mm. this concept of um, music NTFs. <laughs> 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 music NFTs. Yeah. Let's see. Let's talk about networking, your approach with networking. Because you'll see that everyone's trying to do it. Like, for example, you go you go to a networking event and you will see that those people who have a lot of experience are being hounded pretty much. But these students like us, you know, yeah. um, like really experienced, very, very um, charismatic people like me or like nervous, nervous, like, you know, newbies like yourself. <laughs> no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. No, but how do you, how do you engage in su- such a way that, you know, you leave that conversation having gained a certain amount of like just the right amount of 
uh, respect and also interest and curiosity such that they would then further engage with you and not like, you know, ghost you on like LinkedIn. Yeah. Uh, interesting. Um, it's a good question. Mm-hmm. Again, I think it comes back to curiosity, right? Yeah. Like people, generally people like people who are interested in you. Yeah. So like let's say you're just hanging around. You like people who uh, ask you a lot of questions, right? Yeah. It's, it's, I guess it's a very human thing. Yeah. So if you're naturally curious or if you're genuinely, like don't uh, ask questions for the sake of asking questions. Mm-hmm. Just genuinely be, uh, I guess, curious about what they're doing, how they got to where they are. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times when you ask people about their journey, whether they know what they're doing right now or what projects are coming up in the future, yeah, they're really excited to talk about that. Basic human nature in that sense. Mm-hmm. And also it's, I think it's also practice, right? Like mm-hmm. if you talk to enough people, eventually yeah. you have enough confidence to not like, be awkward, I guess. Yeah. And I guess, I guess that's about it. Like other than that, a lot of people, <laughs> I was at a networking event one time and this guy just, we were, we were, for, a con- for context, I was uh, in a conversation with this startup founder. Yeah. And it was like a st- networking event, it was a store, whatever. This guy just comes up out of nowhere. He's like, oh, are you offering internships? Just doesn't introduce <laughs> himself, anything. Just, yeah. are you offering internships? Like, yeah. Bro, maybe start a conversation first. And yeah. that's something, you don't want to ask for t- too much in the first conversation, at least. Mm. Like, I don't know, it's, like, think about it, right? You wouldn't just approach someone on the street like, hey, can you give me an internship? And if you wouldn't do something, if you wouldn't ask that to someone on the street, you probably shouldn't do that in this context as well. Mm-hmm. You want to build a rapport. Like, again, think long-term. Don't think about what you can get in the moment. Right. Okay. Okay. So it's it, it should be, like, yeah. Do you have a system right now? Like, in terms of how you manage your life? Because I remember the last time, uh, not the last time, but, like, when we were first talking, I talked to you about how you... Uh, integrate your life in such a way that you try to get most things done and you showed me your journaling thing which you kept every day and then also like a a metric that you kept like did you work out today did you um you know was there retention today no i'm kidding Uh, (laughs) (laughs) no but you had that system which was quite effective and one that i duplicated at one point and which really helped me um until I realized that I wasn't as disciplined yet, <laughs> so I had to work on it. But do you have a different system now? Is it the same? How has each system helped you? It's and more... what do you think about Andrew Tate? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> okay, yep, go on. I think it's useful when you're starting off. Because a lot of times when you're trying to build habits or, on, mm-hmm. or routines, the biggest issue is you're not, you don't stick into it, right? Yeah. And a lot of times you don't because you genuinely forget. Mm-hmm. Well, at least that's what happened in my case. Yeah. So having a visual, I guess a visual representation of whether I was following through or not, mm-hmm. which was just like a, for context, it was a notion and it was just like a, uh, the checkbox function. Yeah, checkbox. Because you see date yeah. checkbox and whatnot. Um, if the checkbox was there, if everything was blue, it's like, okay, I'm doing things. Yeah. If not, then oh, wait a minute, why didn't I do it? Then I had to justify for myself, okay, why did I miss? Mm-hmm. And once you get the reasoning, once you see the patterns in the reasoning, it becomes easier to, I guess, optimize it. Right. So maybe I didn't go to, what do you call it? Maybe I didn't go to the gym because I skipped a meal. Yeah. And I was not tired, right? Yeah. If I see the pattern enough times, it's like, oh, wait a minute. If I just want to go to the gym consistently, I should maybe just not skip a meal or just like have some, like a quick snack or something, right? Mm-hmm. That would increase the odds of going to the gym. Right. So I guess it's just finding systems or like little things like that. Mm-hmm. And that helps you build that awareness in terms of like, okay, where can I tweak this so that I can, yeah. you know, get better in that? So as you said, you know, like once you consistently see that pattern of like, oh, wait a minute 
the only reason why I'm not going to the gym is because I'm skipping a meal. So it's like, oh, there we go. Let's just eat another yeah. meal and then head head to the gym. Yeah, I think often people overcomplicate this. Isn't they want to stick to habits like oh they make a bit really big deal out of it. Mm-hmm. They don't think in terms of systems. It's like okay maybe willpower. I need to willpower. Yeah, right? yeah. Motivational clothes. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> but it's often just I guess just logic your way out of it. Right. Yeah. Logic works better than motivation, which is pretty it's on and off. Yeah, absolutely. I think like one of the weakest uh, things that you can have uh, when it comes to like doing a task that will take time is um, drive and willpower and motivation it just seems like so, a weak source you know like because it, yeah. it's not there always yeah it pushes you you know it, it gives you that that little pump <laughs> that adrenaline pump but like at the end of the day would you would you agree it's discipline right you you gotta be able to like you know hear your brain saying oh yeah i don't want to really do it not your brain nagging <laughs> 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 like that yeah, yeah. but you still don't listen to it and you still do it because you're supposed to be doing it yeah, I think it's important to acknowledge that your brain often doesn't want to do things you want to do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it's, I think you have to realize, again, think long-term, think why you're doing something. That's why um, understanding your motivation is really helpful mm-hmm. or why or what you want to do in the long-term. Right. When you have a vision, when you have something you want to do and you're trying to, when you think of that, it's okay, I could not do this, but if I, okay, let me write this down. Yeah. When you have a vision, when you ha- have something in the long term that you're looking forward to, okay, then you, I guess, understand the value of consistency. And I guess even missing one day, right? If I don't go to the gym one day because I wasn't feeling like it, mm-hmm. then I might do that again. Then I might do that a day after and consistently. And in, li- in a little, little time, you might lose like all consistency, right? Right. This understanding that even little things would accumulate. Mm. And it's understanding that, okay, if I let myself skip gym today, yeah, I will probably let myself skip gym tomorrow. Yeah. I was just I was thinking of it in I guess a longer view. Right, right. So it's like the compound effect, but like it works the wrong other way as well. Yeah. Like it's like it even works for negative things. Yeah. So exactly. it just starts piling up. Interesting. Like the clothes um, in in my room. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I, I'm a very clean person. Uh, room talk. Okay. What? <laughs> <laughs> interesting. Interesting. Hmm. No, it's because you just. It's so one thing I've noticed about you is not that I, I, you know, I've been able to observe you consistently okay. <laughs> in a non-creepy <laughs> way. It's not that one can, ob- I haven't been able to observe you consistently. So I haven't really seen you at a low or even if you were at a low, you've mentioned that you're someone who doesn't really, because the way that you look at it seems like a very healthy approach almost, you know, Mm -hmm. because you tend not to get stressed about it at all and approach it with a, with like logic extremum, you know, so that like, it doesn't affect you to an extent where you're like, okay, you know, like I I can't really function anymore. Mm -hmm. So how, how is, is it something that you've developed or something you've always had? It's a good question. I wouldn't really reflect it too much on that, to be honest. I guess something that could come up with this is I've meditated for a long time. I've meditated mm-hmm. since I was year eight or something. So you were eight years old? Oh, yeah, like you're no, okay, eight. Okay, okay, eight. Okay, yeah, yeah, so yeah. It's, it's many years, right? Yeah. So I guess to an extent you have developed or have developed 
sense of detachment. Mm-hmm. Like, not as in detachment, and I'm cold. Yeah, no, but it's just not. I don't think I don't take things personally. Mm, or, interesting. Yeah. So it's when you have that sort of detachment, it's like okay, bad day doesn't. You can have a bad day, yeah, and still make or still stay consistent with what you want to do. Right. Okay. Because just realizing that it's, it's don't take things personally and have logical systems. Right. As me- as meditation, because I, I I forgot about this, but consistency in terms of meditation, because it's something that, for for example, when I I started do, like meditating like mm-hmm. a year ago, I was not able to stay consistent with it because I I just couldn't like I think it was a growing impatience of like just like wait wait a minute like I'm I'm be, I'm I'm doing me- I'm meditating but I'm still flipping out on people for no reason. So I guess for someone who's been able to consistently do it, you see that it's. Do you think it's really affected your approach in life? And uh, to be fair, it's hard to compare because because I've meditated for so long, I don't really yeah. have an alternative to compare it to. Okay. But personally, I just find I just find it to be relaxing. To be honest, it's, you find it relaxing because yeah, I mean, if you're constantly around people, mm-hmm. then I guess it's just enjoyable to have time to yourself and you don't have to think. Yeah. So <laughs> I guess that's good. Yeah. Um, beyond that, I think it also helps you stay level-headed. So when you're, trying to, when you're getting in your head so much, um, maybe like maybe you have a lot of things going on, right? Like you have a hundred deadlines or whatever you have to hit. Mm-hmm. But you have that consistency thing. Okay, but whatever happens, I still have that time to myself. Yeah. It kinda, I guess it's just mm. therapeutic in a sense. That's very interesting. And do you think that helps you in terms of like, so you've got a lot of things to do right now, let's say. you know, For example, you want to start um, a business with, let's say, music NFTs, for example. And then you also want to do... A project with MB, MBSI, MSBI, MBSI. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and at the same time, you also want to, you know, look into different places where you might want to go into for, you know, for your medical school and also keeping in mind, you know, keeping in track of like stuff like, do, do you still journal regularly? Yep. Yes. So keeping time for that. How is this like, do you have a, uh, like, do you know how the, uh, how Ali Abdal talks about like time blocks and stuff like that. Is it something that you do as well? Uh, time blocks, yes. Yeah. So time blocks, well, to be honest right now, because uni is not there, I, I do it, but I don't do it as much as I did before. Yeah. Because like, I guess like, th- that concrete structure that was there is not, not there anymore. anymore. Yeah. I do it still, but mm-hmm. I guess not as extreme. So now I don't really care if I go over time or like 10 or 15 minutes, like whatever. Okay. But yeah, so it's not as concrete or not, not as strict as it was. Okay. But it's still pretty useful. It's, I think, the way I think of it, instead of, remember how when I showed you my uh, notion earlier? Yeah. The checklist and consistency? Yeah. Uh-huh. I used to have a, like a block for everything, right? So, mm-hmm. did you meditate? Yes, no. Did you work out? Yes, no, whatever. Right? Now, I, I guess, put it into chunks because I realized it was a lot more efficient. Mm-hmm. So, so, now I just have morning routine, evening routine, and oh, work out. Oh, yeah. And morning routine would be like a whole clump of, did you meditate? Did you I guess have a, maybe like a quick workout or did you read? Right. And so all three together. Right. So you either did all three or you didn't do. So it's like a, ah, okay. so you don't want to miss out on any one thing. It's yeah. Like, Cause oh, like, I, I wouldn't have, even though I did these two, I wouldn't have a box ticks. Like, ah, oh, this, this doesn't feel right. So, it's, right. so you, you're, for one, you're forced to do all three. Yeah. And I guess it's easy to track as well. Hmm. Wow. Oh, interesting. And then, uh, yeah, more, so the meditation did that did that help you in in building oh, a system like <laughs> uh, no, no no of course meditation I don't oh yeah yes med- good thing about meditation is you get a lot because mm-hmm. you're not distracted 
Yeah. I think some ideas just come to you. Hmm. Ideas come to you? Yeah. I mean, like, it's hard to explain. It's hard to explain. Or maybe not that hard. It's not that hard. It's like when you're in the shower, right? You don't, you're, oh my God. <laughs> it's like when you're in the shower, you don't have any, you're not talking to anyone, you're not, yeah. uh, like, I don't listen to music. Mm-hmm. It's, you're just there, there's nothing to do. It's like, oh, and your brain just wanders, oh, right? Like, even yeah. when you're meditating, yeah, um, yeah. you can be pretty, like, blank. Yeah. Most of it. Yeah. With the two minutes, you're not blank. It's like, oh, wait a minute, that's a cool idea. Yeah. Kind of like that. So it's, ah, okay. Like, that system didn't come to me in meditation. That system was, um, I guess just, Listening to podcasts, listening to what other people were doing and realizing, you know what? Mm-hmm. Maybe something systematic is a lot more uh, yeah, replicable and something they can build consistency with. Right. Other than just relying on motivation or just not having that in place. I guess it's also about experimenting, right? Like yeah. If you think a cool idea, instead of wondering, instead of like spending an, I guess, an hour thinking about whether it would work or not, just try it. Mm-hmm. And if it works, stick with it. If not, don't overcomplicate it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um... When you when you're like, cause you live, uh, okay, let's let's I'm gonna scrap that. <laughs> so, you, when you're traveling on trams, right, yeah. or trains, trams, wherever yeah. you live, I don't know where you live. <clears throat> uh, <laughs> no, yeah. when when you're traveling, for yes. long distances, let's let's put it at that. When you're traveling for long distances, so what I liked to do before when I was going to work back and forth, mm-hmm. what I did was I just like listen to like. I don't know, rap music and just like pump myself up yeah. for work that I hated. Um, and when I came back, I was tired. So I'd still listen to the same music. Mm. But then I realized that, you know, it's you're not really picking it up. It's except for entertainment. Yeah. So do you try to maximize your, you know, like time, maximize the use of your time by like maybe listening to audiobooks or podcasts or audios of um, people speaking uh, yeah no i don't listen to, i don't listen to audiobooks and trains um i usually just carry a book with me so it's you just do you read yeah i just physically read or do you do you just like look at the cover oh i just oh look at the cover, look you know, at the cover. <laughs> interesting are, are you able to like concentrate with you know people around or whatever or if you had to stand i usually just find a place to sit to be honest but if, I mean, if you're standing it's not that bad it's, mm. it's, you're just holding books or whatever is there a book that are you reading right now Oh yeah, I'm reading the habit in between. It's the Ch- checklist manifesto. What is that about? Uh, it's about this. Well, I just started reading it. So uh, the premise of it is, again, it's systematic actually. So it's mm-hmm. the guy is a surgeon, right? So mm-hmm. he's um, talking about how he went through in, in, immensely complicated surgeries, or how the medical system, like there's so many things happening, right? For example, if a patient is in critical care, they have a uh, hundred different things they have to do, from everything from drug administration. Like, he wouldn't think that they have to brush the uh, patient's teeth multiple times a day, right? Yeah. So the bacteria doesn't build up. Yeah. Um, you have so many procedures, so many drug administrations. You have to make sure all the windpipes, everything is working functionally. Yeah. You have to ch- constantly check for vitals. Mm-hmm. And when you accumulate all of this, this, these are like hundreds of decisions every day for a single patient. And anything that could go wrong could mean the difference between life and death, right? Or okay. like major injury in life. So he's talking about how he built systems or like how... like a complicated things such as medicine or even aviation when you're flying or you're a pilot they have this um, checklist and whatnot or systems yeah. that make sure even uh, immensely complicated things are executed smooth, um, quite smoothly right so just talking about that and how we can actually build that 
Okay, wow, that's a very interesting read. Um, would you would you recommend it to anyone who'd want to sort of? Yeah, I would say actually, I would give you a few recommendations if you want to think systematically and build systematic, mm-hmm. I guess, consistency. Firstly, read Prin- Principles by Ray Dalio. Uh, okay. I've heard Atomic Habits is really good. I've listened to like half of the audiobook. I've listened to the whole thing. It's 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 pretty good. Yeah. It's pretty good. I think. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty good. I think it's just. From the audiobook, I thought it was, it was repetitive. Yeah, it just, thing. like, the first couple of chapters, yeah. if you read the first couple of chapters, you pretty much get the idea of yeah. what you need to do. And then everything else is just, like, it, it is what you think it is. Because when I finished the book, it was, like, you could have just, you know, finished it in, like, three yeah. chapters. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah so... <laughs> that, that, was, that was long-winded. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah, sorry, go on. Yeah, that's a good book as well. I think uh, Checklist Manifesto is really good. Um, yeah, so just read books I can... If you're struggling with this, just read, uh, I guess, steal other people's ideas on how they become systematic. Mm, interesting. Okay. And but the, the, then again, this would you'd also want to experiment, right? Because yeah, and that's why that's why I recommended principles first. I think that's that's teaching you how to think, not really what to think. Hmm. Okay. 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 I might, I might actually pick it up. Holy shit! Yeah. I haven't read that at all. It's very good, actually. I highly recommend. Okay. Okay. I have my next book to read. Okay. Um. Before we sort of wrap this up, I guess, I, I want to ask you, because you're someone who, in my own friend circle, I've seen as someone who's very consistent, someone who's on the top of their game. I know you, you're going to laugh, but like you're consistently on top of your game. You're consistently showing up, prepared. And I think like I didn't even give you I didn't send you any questions or anything you just sat here and then we started talking I had a bunch of questions you the way that you flow the ideas that you had and your way to like your ability to sort of be able to interpret things and say it in a manner that is very fluid and understandable is something that's quite admirable I would say and respectable and that's sort of why I've always you know been asking you questions you you know this up the only thing that I've been doing is asking you <laughs> questions. Every time we've met, I've had a bunch of questions for you. So, <laughs> but so, and that's the whole reason why I invited you because you're someone who's very interesting. You're consistent. You're brilliant. So, what is one piece of advice, you know, that you would give to, let's say yourself? To myself. Yeah. Oh, if you were younger. If I was younger. Yeah, uh, just a year younger or two years younger. What would you say? Think long-term and build systems that optimize your journey there. You you could summarize that as a whole talk that we had so far. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) No, but... It's it's very... I think it's really easy to say, but uh, people often realize how useful it is. It is. It's like... For one, obviously, each... Both parts of it, right? Thinking long term. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to do when you don't know it. Like, I think in, in that sense, in medicine or healthcare in general, you're very privileged because you have a very set idea of what you want to do yeah. in the future. It's yeah. very, I guess, concrete. Like, I know what I'm doing for the next 10 years, at least. Yeah. And obviously, I have other like, ideas outside of medicine, venture capital and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But I still have an idea of what I want to do in, in terms of that. Right. In that sense, I'm very privileged. Mm-hmm. So I don't have to worry too much about that. Right. Kind of lucked out on that. Mm-hmm. And then the systems is just reading up, learning from others. And like a lot of times it's when you're thinking of progress, right? Mm-hmm. It's most people have an idea of what they want to do. Most people know what to do. Yeah. More or less. Yeah. It's about consistency. And it's about uh, not letting yourself, I guess, just 
fail in a sense. Slip, so yeah. it's fail proofing in a sense. It's right. more secure. Right. So as long as you have those systems that make sure you consistently make wide decisions, I think you'll be fine. I think that's, I guess, the best advice I can give someone. There we go. I mean, yourself. <laughs> you're <laughs> as well. You're yourself as well. All right. Well, that that is it. That's the end of our podcast. I mean, what an amazing guy. What an amazing <laughs> lad. Um, it's it's been a pleasure having you on, uh, Dips. Uh, and I could I'll now release the uh, the location where you live. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> no, but it's it's been really great having you. I want to thank you for coming on. I know you're someone who's ex- like you're always doing something. You're always onto something. Um, and you know, I hope I can have you on soon again. You know. For sure. Yeah, for sure. Once you're done with your honors, maybe <laughs> you'll have a different, you know, different sort of advice that you might want to give to people or, you know, talk more about your venture capital or music NTFs, not NFTs, <laughs> right? So, you know, I hope to have you back on and I want to thank you for coming on to the show. Thanks for having me. Well. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it was a pleasure okay. to be here. It's, it's yeah. a great talk. All right. Well, now I will see you guys in the next episode. This is Animesh signing out. Yeah.